Hello, I'm Mariet Sneeman. Welcome to Calm, Clear and Helpful, a weekly podcast series on taking good care of yourself and others. Introducing you to a wide range of wellness professionals ready to assist and inspire. Today we're looking at how to protect your DNA from cancer. My guest is Anita Hamilton Williams, functional medicine health coach from Johannesburg. Welcome back on the show, Anita. Thank you, Mariette. It's lovely to be back again. To our listeners, after our conversation, Anita will give us five tips on protecting your DNA. And then it will be time for a fun question. Anita, before I met you, I wasn't sure what a functional medicine health coach does. So for listeners who haven't listened to any of our other podcasts, could you please explain what you do? Absolutely. So Mariette, I generally work with women in the midlife years, so mid-40s and beyond, and I help them to address and move into the menopause transition and to make sure that they are as healthy as can be as they start moving into their 50s and 60s and beyond. I do that with the interventions of diet and lifestyle, and I also use genetic testing in order to provide a level of personalized um, nutrition and lifestyle information in order to make those changes. But you also work with people of other ages, and you also work with men, don't you? Absolutely. It's not exclusive to women menopause, but that they have a special place in my heart because I believe that there's a lot that can be done to support women during that particular um, age and stage of their life. Absolutely. And you and I have done a podcast episode on that, so I'll include that one in the podcast Wonderful. notes. Today we're talking about how to protect your DNA from cancer. And I think I can safely say that the word cancer fills most people with dread. For sure. Before we look at how we can protect our DNA, could you perhaps explain in simple terms what DNA is? Right. So DNA can be viewed as our blueprint. Each person's genetic blueprint is different to the next person. And it's a little bit like a recipe. It is the recipe instructions that our body uses in order to make the proteins and enzymes that the body needs to function. So the structure of it looks a little bit like a, like a, a twisted rope ladder. And in, these, in this twisted rope ladder, each rung on the ladder can reference a particular... What we, what we call a nucleotide. There's different letters of the alphabet that we use, only four, C, G, A, and T. So each of these bases contain the letter C, G, A, and T. So that's the DNA alphabet. And using the combination of these four letters, the body can make up thousands and thousands of different proteins and enzymes that we need. Now, what happens with our DNA is that sometimes one of those alphabet letters can get changed, and most, in most cases, it makes no difference. Um, so, for example, the word gray, spelt with an 
spelt with a E-Y or gray spelt with A-Y means exactly the same thing. And so there's no implication or no, um, no impact whatsoever genetically. However, in some instances, a letter is changed, which totally changes what is actually created. So, for example, if the word was coat and we changed the letter C at the front and we made that a G and it now read goat, the meaning would be very different. And so we have about 0.1% of these variations from individual to individual. And that's what makes each of us unique is that 0.1%. And so when we, as we get into the discussion and we talk about genetic um, variances, these are these little alphabet changes that I'm referring to. So my recipe instruction to make everything in my body is slightly different to yours. And that will cause you to be able to do and tolerate certain things in a very different way to me. And that is what your coaching focuses on, isn't Correct. it? Correct. Correct. Yes, on those differences. On those differences, the, yes. On the specific individual. Yes, and that is what makes the that is what makes the intervention personalized because there is really no one size fits all because from a genetic perspective we all have these little variances and these variances start to accumulate and cause a potential weak area in a certain area and if we know what those are we can then mitigate against that using diet and lifestyle. Thank you. The big question is, how can we protect our DNA from cancer? Okay, so what we are looking at is a process in the body called detoxification. And detoxification's aim is to make sure that our DNA doesn't get damaged. So if we have a look at um, all of the toxins that we are exposed to, toxins are around us 24-7. So, for example, if we look at something like if we get up in the morning, we get out of bed, our bed, our mattress has probably been sprayed with some kind of flame retardant. The carpet that we step on as we get out will have some kind of chemical protectant on. Maybe it's to stop, you know, spills or whatever, but there may be some kind of carpet protection there. When we go into the bathroom, we may have air fresheners in the bathroom. There's chemicals in that. As we brush our teeth, fluoride and chlorine in the water, there are chemicals there. And every, every part of our day, we're exposed to chemicals. This is even before we get out of the house and are exposed to potentially poor air quality or fumes from diesel or petrol. The food that we eat is generally either sprayed with some form of pesticide or herbicide in order to create larger crops and from a commercial perspective. The animal products that we eat may often be injected with hormones in order for them to grow larger so that they can speed up the process and actually get the product to the stores a lot quicker. And when they're given hormones in order for them to grow quicker, then often they are given antibiotics at the same time in order to prevent them from, from getting ill. Makeup that we put on our skin has got a whole host of chemicals to emulsify, to mix the oil and water balance, preservatives in it in order to extend the life of that particular product. 
Um, we also have loads of preservatives in the foods in the supermarket in order to extend shelf quality, in order for it to look good, dyes and colorants in order for it to, to be appealing, visually appealing. And cleaning products that we find at home are also, you know, loads of chemicals in there as well, um, potentially poisons in order to kill insects, etc. So we find that we are exposed to these toxins on a continual basis. And in fact, if you try and eliminate all of them, or if you, if you are hyper-focused on the fact that we're exposed to toxins all the time, it's probably more damaging than the actual exposure to toxins. Because the good news is, is that our liver, which works 24-7 every single day of the week, is a highly efficient toxin handler and neutralizes toxins. However, with the exposure, with the fact that we are you know, we are exposed to chemicals on an increasing basis. If we look at the amount of chemicals that were registered 25 years ago compared to now, there's always these additional chemicals coming out all the time. So we are continually being exposed to these ongoing levels of chemicals. And we all have different abilities to be able to detoxify them. A couple that I haven't even mentioned, which are quite key, are things like heavy metals, you know, mercury and lead, uh, BPA, which is found in plastic bottles, glyphosate, which is sprayed on crops. So those are all forms of exogenous toxins, so toxins that are external to us. And then we also have toxins that are internal, and those kind of toxins are Things like the breakdown of estrogen and the ability to detoxify and clear estrogen from our body. We also have normal metabolic processes, and those metabolic processes also need to be able to break those down. So things like stress hormones. Stress hormones also need to be broken down and moved out of the body. And then lastly, another large form of, of toxins that we're exposed to is through the use of medications and even supplements. So medications may be life-saving, but the body still needs to be able to detoxify and remove them and get rid of them and out of your system. And supplements, although supplements are often supportive to health, taking too many supplements still puts a liver on the still puts a load on on the liver as it still needs to be able to you know potentially detoxify fillers or you know things that are added into the supplement that we may not be absorbing in our body but that we need to move and get out so a large large range of toxins and these toxins can damage our DNA. Now, our DNA is always being repaired. So there's no, um, I, don't want, I don't want any of the listeners to think that all toxins damage DNA because our body is set up and geared to repair our DNA at all times. But the higher the load of toxins that we are ingesting and that we expose our bodies to, combined with a poor intake of diet, because as we progress, you'll see that the ability of our bodies to detoxify well is highly dependent on certain nutrients. 
So if we are not eating those nutrients in our diet and we have a high load of toxins and we have a genetic variation, this is all a perfect storm for us over time that our DNA may not be able to keep up and repair as efficiently as our bodies were designed to because of the external load. Um, and that is when we can start having DNA damage. And when our DNA gets damaged and then the cells get replicated, that damage can start to get replicated. And that is when we can start having problems. Thank you. I never understood it that way. Okay. I know when we spoke about this before the podcast, you mentioned the three phases of detoxification. Could you explain them to us and tell us whether they can be impacted by genetics in any way? Okay, so the three phases of detox are phase one, phase two, and phase three. So let's start at the back. So phase three really relates to what is going on in the gut because once the toxin has been broken down, we need to be able to excrete it. And often it is coming out through feces, through a bowel movement, or through urine. So that is the phase three part. So as much as the liver is able to break the toxin down, we need to make sure that our bowels are working well, a regular, easy-to-pass daily bowel movement, so that any toxins that the liver has efficiently work to break down, we are able to move out of our gut. So that is your phase three. If we look at phase one and phase two, the body is really quite, quite amazing because most of the toxins that we take in are actually fat soluble. And in order for us to be able to take a fat soluble toxin and move it out through phase three, through our feces or urine, we need to make it water-soluble. And so what we do is the body will then take the fat-soluble toxin, which is circulating in the bloodstream, and if the body does not have the correct nutrients at the time in order to go through the breakdown of that toxin, what it will do, because it knows that that toxin is detrimental to our overall health, Instead of storing it in an organ where it can cause damage, our bodies will take that toxin and they will put it into a fat cell because that fat cell is not going to be impacted as significantly by the toxin as an organ would be. And so what I do often find with some of my clients is that when they have poor detox pathways and they have excess weight, the excess weight can be linked directly to the excess toxins that they have. And it may be that they don't have good detox pathways. It may be that they don't have the nutrients that they need in order to break the toxin down. But excess weight can be directly linked to, in some individuals, directly linked to, to detox. So what happens in, in phase one is we have the toxin, we have this fat-soluble toxin, and the body, depending on what type of toxin it is, there are five different pathways that it will push it down in order to make it less fat-soluble. And so it moves it from phase one down one of these pathways. And what happens once it's come out of these pathways is that that toxin is more toxic at that stage before it goes into phase two 
than it is before it even goes into phase one. And so at that intermediate phase, we need to have a level of protection. And this is directly linked to our genetics. How do we manage oxidative stress? How do we manage damage? Do we have the right nutrients? Do we have our genes working efficiently for us in that intermediate stage? So we need good levels of antioxidants in order to neutralize this toxin. That toxin then is moved into phase two. And in phase two, it then becomes water-soluble. There's six different pathways that it gets moved out of, depending on what type of toxin it is once again. And then it moves into the gut, and then it moves out as a bowel movement. So the the detoxification process is really bringing in something fat-soluble, converting it into something water-soluble, and then moving it out of the body. And if I can give you an analogy, it's a little bit like having a, let's say we have a, a hospital, and we need to keep the hospital clean, we need to keep it germ-free, so we have a cleaning staff, and the cleaning staff have got their buckets and their mops and their cleaning products, etc. And that is similar to the liver. And the liver's job is to make sure that we keep everything clean, that we make sure that what comes in that's not meant to be there is actually swept up and moved and pushed out of the body. Because if we start to let things accumulate, then we're going to introduce disease or we're going to start impacting the efficiency of the way that the hospital runs because we're not actually keeping on top of things. So that is similar to what happens in our body. We need to keep on top of this all the time, or our bodies do keep on top of this all the time in order to make sure that we don't set up disease and that we, we run efficiently. When I listen to you, I realize that, that when you work with someone and you've got their genetic profile, you will be able to identify places absolutely. where something goes wrong with this whole process. Yes, absolutely. And a couple of areas that, that stand out there that are directly linked to genetics are in your phase one, phase one is highly dependent on a number of B vitamins and Phase one can either be upregulated, meaning phase one is fast. And that is what we can see sometimes is that phase one, we are very efficient at bringing in toxins and breaking them down really quickly. And we do also have some drivers, some external um, environmental drivers that upregulate phase one. And the problem with that upregulating or making phase one faster is this intermediate phase because we now have a, an intermediate phase where the toxin is more toxic than when, than when it first came in. And do we have the capacity to neutralize that before we move it into, mm -hmm. into phase two? So phase one can often be upregulated. And then in phase two, phase two can often be downregulated. And so it's a little bit like having a, if you picture a basin of water and you open the tap full, so that is your phase one. So we've got these toxins flowing in. This is the water flowing into the basin. And then we take the plug and we stop the, the exit with the plug. 
which is the phase two, or maybe we don't stop it entirely because we always are able to detoxify. But if we put it in at an angle so that it's half blocked, and so eventually at some stage there's going to be an overflow of water because it can't exit as quickly as it's coming in, and it's going to start overflowing on the floor and start you know running down the passage and starting to damage things. And this is a this is what what happens when we have from a genetic perspective, phase one running faster than, than phase two. And then we also need, in phase two, we need um, specific amino acids, which, that, which are part of proteins. And the specific amino acids that we need are uh, glycine and methionine, which come from animal products. And so if we are eating a diet that doesn't contain those particular nutrients or we are not having them in a supplement form we may inadvertently be slowing down our phase two which may or may not be a problem depending on what our detox pathways look like so these are the different variations that we need to that we need to consider earlier you spoke about estrogen Mm. is that managed in the same way as other toxins and i want to ask at the beginning whether estrogen just affects women no, no. Estrogen affects both men and women. And in fact, women also have testosterone. So um, we have both men and women. And obviously the quantities are different. Women having higher levels of estrogen and men having higher levels of, of testosterone. So when we, when we break estrogen down, there are a particular number of genes in the phase one portion that's responsible for how we break estrogen down. And if we have a look at, if we go right down to phase three again, which is the gut eliminating estrogen through a bowel movement, if that is not working well, then what will happen is that the estrogen sitting in the gut will get reabsorbed by the body again. And so our body is exposed to higher levels of estrogen, which may lead to potential DNA damage, which can lead to cancers because we don't want to be exposed to these higher levels of of circulating estrogens. But in phase one, we have a number of different estrogen doors that are open and shut. Once again, it's all down to genetics. One particular pathway is a lot safer than other pathways. And if that, if that door is open, estrogen can very easily go through that door, get neutralized and get moved out the body into the gut, get moved out the system. If, however, that door is, let's say, to try and simplify things, if that door is closed, it then moves out another door. And there's another process that the body needs to have functioning really well from a cellular level, which is the methylation process, that needs to work well in order for estrogen to then be broken down and moved out. There's another safe gap. If methylation is not working well, there's the next step, and we can possibly go out of that, move out of that area. If that fails, there's another area that we can move through. So there are a number of alternate doors that estrogen can exit from, But those alternate doors contain more risk because they may work or they may not work from a genetic perspective as well as a nutrient perspective. So knowing that in a particular client, 
allows us to promote the estrogen, the safer estrogen pathways, so that we are not exposed to higher levels of estrogen or estrogens that are unable to be metabolized out of that part, that safer pathway. Just a quick explanation of what I do. I'm a content entrepreneur creating podcasts and articles for my own platform and for various magazines and digital platforms. My website contains a growing collection of podcast episodes and articles on emotional health, parenting, love relationships and the life challenges we all face. Each episode or article showcases a therapist, coach or other wellness professional so you can get to know them and easily find an expert who will resonate with you should you need one. So far, I've interviewed 100 well-being providers from many countries. After all, online therapy and coaching means we can connect across continents. If you love getting a glimpse of the person behind the professional, click on Up Close and Personal on my website for articles on many of the experts I've featured. And if you're a wellness professional interested in being my podcast guest or being featured in an article on my platform, or perhaps in a South African magazine, take a look at services on my website and send me an email. Now... Back to my guest. I'm thinking about detox now. And in the media, we hear about detoxes for weight loss. For, for instance, a seven-day juice detox. Are these good for us in terms of supporting our detox pathways? Okay. So in order to detox any toxin that's coming into the body... We need to have the right level of nutrients in phase one and phase two. And so I can't say across the board or a blanket statement that all detoxes or cleanses are bad. However, the ones that do not contain a good level of protein in them, which is generally your seven-day juice fast or three-day juice fast, for example, that is not going to do any, that is actually going to do more damage than harm. And the reason for that is, and I see this in multiple times with my clients that I've worked with, where they've said to me, I've done a detox and um, I feel absolutely lousy on the detox. Or so for the first few days, I felt really wonderful. And then I really started to feel lousy. And I lost weight initially, and then eventually I couldn't lose any more weight. And like, what is really going on there? So if we have a look at the process of detox that I've described, what will happen, what is more than likely happening is that in phase one, we are starting the release of toxins from being stored in fat cells. We've got the right level of nutrients, and so we're bringing the toxins out, and we are breaking them down in phase one. And then we, are, we now have high levels of toxins waiting to move into phase two. And we know at that intermediate stage, it's more toxic. So we need to have a lot of antioxidants to neutralize that. We may be having loads of antioxidants from some of the juices or 
nutrients that we're taking in. However, when it gets to phase two, we must have protein. We must have um, glycine and we must have methionine in order to further break that toxin down and eliminate it out the body. So what we are actually seeing with some of these juice fasts or other fasts, not necessarily just juice, is that the toxin comes in, gets broken down in phase one, sits in this intermediate phase and can't get out because we don't have the nutrients that we need in order to get it out. And so what happens then is that the toxins start circulating in the body and we feel lousy when we've got loads of toxins circulating. And the, the body will eventually at some stage, if it can't get the toxin out, it will just put it back into fat cells to store it in order to protect the body. And so, yes, we have released the toxin. We have created a level of damage because through this intermediate phase, and we have then gone back and stored it. So we've actually done absolutely nothing, really. And it's an awful process. It's anyway. an awful process. You, mm. you, you feel absolutely dreadful while you are going through that. And for those individuals that have a lot of genetic variation in their detox pathways, that is exactly what they will experience. For those individuals that don't have a lot of variation, they may have a slightly improved experience. And this is where there's this level of variation between all of us, where someone will say, I went on this juice fast, it was absolutely amazing, I felt wonderful on it. And you try it, and you have got genetic variations, and you feel absolutely lousy, and you're like, well, maybe I didn't do it right, or mm. um, you know, maybe it was a specific type of fruit or vegetable I needed to have. No, 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 it's a lot more nuanced than that. As you said, it's not a question of one size fits all. Correct, Absolutely. I think it's time for your five tips on detoxing and protecting our DNA, please. Okay, so the very first tip that I would say is to minimize our exposure to toxins. So if, we, if you have a look in the home and you start looking at what cleaning products, what personal care products can I start to replace and bring in a cleaner version of so that there's less toxic burden on your body, that is a good place to start. This is also why I would recommend organic fruits and vegetables so that we are not taking in the pesticide load and having to break that down as a toxin as well. So minimizing your exposure to toxins is the first one. Then I would also look at any medications, any chronic medications that somebody may be on because chronic medications will often deplete some of the B nutrients. And our B nutrients are what we need in our phase one detox. So just check if your chronic medications are depleting um, specific nutrients around that. Then two food groups that we can add in, or two food categories that we can add in, in order to help support our detoxification are all the vegetables found in the cruciferous family and all the vegetables found in the allium family, which is the onion family. So cruciferous extends not just to cauliflower, broccoli and kale, but we can also look at watercress and rocket and Brussels sprouts and cabbage and wasabi and the list goes on and on and on. I do have a handout for the listeners it's a document containing 
foods and some information around how we can support our detox pathways with food. And that also then includes a list of alliums and what alliums fit into that particular category. And they can find that on my website. Then the fourth tip I would give is to make sure that because the detox is highly dependent on B vitamins, vitamin B1, B2, B3, B5, B6, B9, B12, because it's highly dependent on that, as well as glycine and methionine, we find glycine and methionine in animal products. You can find it in collagen glycine. You can find it in bone broth. You can find it in whey protein, which is from dairy. So the listeners can just Google what foods contain glycine, what foods contain methionine, and make sure that they're having good quantities of that in their diet to support their their detox pathways, as well as the B vitamins. And then lastly, what I've done for the last couple of years to my clients is I run a 10-day detox slash cleanse program. It's supported, I run it twice a year, usually around April, May, and then around September, October timeframe. It's for 10 days. It focuses on reducing inflammation and supporting detox pathways. It's almost like a health reset. It contains two specific medical food products. The one is a medical food shake, which contains all of the B vitamins and all of the protein and the nutrients that you need for 10 days. And then we have a, an additional supplement that helps us to eliminate the toxins. And so it's a guided 10-day program with recipes, with information to help you to understand how to better support your, your detox pathways. And then I also have a document which is focused on supporting detox pathways with food. And if any of your listeners want to find out more about that, they can go to my website which is www.myhealingspace.co.za and they can find out more information and they can get the handout on my website. You've spoken about two handouts now. The one is with the veg, right? And the last one you mentioned. It's the same one. Is it the same it's one? It's the same one. Okay, so what I'll do in the podcast notes, uh, there will be a link in the podcast, when you listen on Spotify or Google Podcasts or any of the other platforms, there will be a link taking you to the podcast notes. And then there you will find the link to the handout, which sounds very complicated, but it isn't. <laughs> <laughs> and there will also be the link to your website, of course. Perfect. Uh, you're also on social media, aren't you? Yes, I am on Instagram as Anita Hamilton Williams and on Facebook as My Healing Space. Thank you. Are you ready for your fun question after this mouthful that we've had? <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Bring it on. <laughs> As usual, we go into a fantasy world, which is so nice because there's no right or wrong involved. Mm -hmm. If you could shrink, Anita, till you are so small that you could fit into the throat of a flower. Right. In which flower would you like to sit for an hour or two? Wow. I think I can actually picture at home on my veranda, I've got a big pot of Chinese cabbage, which has just gone to flower. And it's got these 
very specific um, little cross-shaped flowers, which is where the word cruciferous comes from. It's oh. a cruciferous vegetable. And so I think I would like to sit in a large vegetable garden, maybe on a, a farm somewhere in the countryside, where a lot of the vegetables have been allowed to flower and set seeds from a natural perspective. And I wouldn't mind any vegetable. I wouldn't mind sitting in any flower. But any flower that has naturally um, been allowed to set flower and then to set seed in the middle of nature, birdsong, peaceful, quiet, I'd love to be there. Oh, I get that feeling of the peace. Yes. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, Anita, for sharing your insights into our bodies and our detox pathways, of which I knew very little, and especially for the, the helpful information on how we can manage that. It's my pleasure, Mariette. I hope it's also been helpful to your listeners as well. Yes, and to our listeners, thank you for joining us. I'd be honored if you'd subscribe to this podcast series and rate it where you download your podcasts. If you found this episode helpful, please share it with someone you care about. Go to my website, www.marietsneeman.co.za for this episode's podcast notes and for free articles and podcast episodes on how to live a happier life and have more fulfilling relationships. To follow me on Facebook, just search for Mariette Sneeman, Journalist. Calm, Clear and Helpful is compiled, hosted and edited by me with original music by Mart-Marie Sneeman. Catch you next Tuesday at 9.00.